Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It's your buddy Chewy, and I am back once again with my brother from another mother, Mr. Pip. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you, buddy? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's yeah. uh, it's been a, it's been a minute, right? Yeah, but not as bad as as the gap between the previous one and the one yeah. before that. We, yeah. we we took a, a longer than necessary sabbatical there, but I think we're. Good. We're getting back on track. We've got some topics I think that we've already talked about wanting to to use in the near future. So I mean, we've we've got the we've got the docket filling up here. Yes. So so before before we talk about uh, tonight's topic, what uh, what are you drinking tonight? Um, I'm I'm still drinking gin. Uh, that's nice. that's my go-to uh, today. I think just basic back to the well Hendrix gin, uh, which is go. my old standard when I. Uh, you know, unfortunately, we we don't uh, pull enough, quite enough sponsor money in for me to have a new gin every time we do one of these uh, right. video uh, blogs. We'll work on so, that. You, you know, for now, you know, fingers crossed, we'll change that. Um, so yeah, back to the well with my Hendrix, which is uh, right. just three yeah, and, that and I'm and I'm stuffed olives. What, yeah, what about I, you? And I'm, I'm back to the old standby as well, gentleman Jack. Um, so uh, you know, come back to uh, something that is. Um, that is familiar and just kind of is, is just feels right. Right. So, I feel you. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's see. I, we, we before we get into it, I, 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 we would be remiss. We have to talk about Sir Edward, right. For, for just a minute. Right. We have, um, you know, Eddie Van Halen uh, passed away this, this past week. Um, Pip did a, a phenomenal job of uh, paying tribute to him on on the blog. So go take a look at it. Um, but you know, I, I consider him the greatest guitar player ever. Um, and um, and you know, he was he was younger than I thought he was. He was what? He was only sixty five. So um, yeah. fuck cancer. Cancer sucks. Um, but we lost a great one. Yeah, it was brutal. I mean, you were, I mean, for, for those who are interested enough, I, I did drone on uh, about, uh, you know, my experience getting that text from you on the, on the 406 website. And I appreciate you giving me the venue to have that sort of cathartic release because I, I knew as soon as it happened that I wanted to express myself somehow about it. So the, the 406 Northland blog has always been very kind to allow me to do that when when I feel the itch. And so I wrote about how, of course, you were the first one that texted me when uh, that news broke, which is only appropriate, all things considered, because uh, a lot of my love with Van Halen starts and ends apparently with you. Um, and yeah, I was, I was really, uh, I was really brokenhearted. And the word I used to a lot of people was gutted. It just felt like, just felt terrible, really. And even though I think a lot of people knew that he was sick for a while, um, you know, when it actually happened, it was just like, wow, it, it just, it was really, really hard to believe. And, um, you know, it, again, it, I wrote about it, but it seems a little goofy to be, uh, so impacted by something like that when you didn't even know the person, but I mean, he had just such a profound impact on, on everything that I love about music that, uh, mm -hmm. it was, it was a real gut punch, you know, the, the fact that we'll never get to hear any new music from him ever again. Uh, it's just, it's tough. It's really tough. He was an well, absolute. You know, one, one of these days, um, actually, I think we probably have multiple topics around Van Halen and Edward and, yeah. and Sammy. And, and so we, we will, um, I, I imagine this, this will not be the last time we talk about Eddie Van Halen on the show here. Yeah, we, we thought about doing that for tonight, but we, uh, we, we don't want to let, uh, with both of our schedules and the difficulty that it can be to coordinate these these vlogs, um, we want to make sure and get, you know, something that's just as near and dear to our hearts uh, out there for the people to uh, to hear our, our newest, latest and greatest top five favorite. Yeah, so uh, great segue. So, so tonight is, um, we're, we're doing horror. It is, uh, it's October. It is, it's horror season. And so we are going to do our top five favorite horror movies of all time. Yep. Um, if you don't know, um, back in almost to the week, uh, in October of 2012, uh, Pip and I started another little venture, uh, called scare tissue, scare tissue.com is, is our website where we, uh, talk horror movies, we review horror movies and, um, 
with it being kind of Halloween season, we thought uh, it would be a good and appropriate topic for this evening. So um, any, anything else before we kind of dive right in? No, I mean, thanks to our good friends at Scare Tissue for uh, sponsoring our, uh, our uh, video blog tonight. Um, yeah, it's been, that's been a great run doing that website and all the, all the, uh, the awesome people who have contributed uh, articles. I mean, I, I mean, I'll be the first to admit I fell off. I haven't contributed a lot to it in the recent years, but you know, we've had some people tossing a lot of content up there and, and watching these screeners and these movies. And, you know, the, the thing that I love about it is that we've given at least some level of um, visibility to a lot of independent filmmakers and stuff out there, which I think is really cool. Um, you know, I mean, I won't pretend that we have millions and millions of visitors every day by any means, but the idea is that, you know, there are a lot of really great ideas that don't get a lot of exposure out there. So if we can help push that along in any way possible, I just, I think that's awesome. That's really cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, Hey, with that, um, that being said, I will let you start. Um, I, I don't know how many, I think we'd said top five. I don't know if you have all honorable mentions, but we'll start. Of course, number five. there's always an honorable mention. We never not have an honorable mention. Right. Um, and I'll be curious, what, what do you think the over under is on us having uh, the same list? Like, the same top five? Not the same. What am I trying to say? What's the over under on uh, how many similar, how many in yeah. common we will have? I'd say to i'll take the if two and a half is the over under what do you want on that wow if two let's see of five uh one hmm. i will take the two and a half god that, that keeps killing me it's close um, right i'll take the over okay i'll, I'll right. take the over but but it won't but it wouldn't shock me if it's two, but I'll right. take three. Well, that's yeah. why I said two and a half. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, that's that's the thing. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I, I think I would take the under. I would probably say it, it's probably going to be two, but I think we're going to. I definitely think one of them is going to be on there. Yeah. Um, All right. Yeah. And very possibly two, but okay. Uh, without further ado, so my number five is one that I'm pretty sure won't be on your list, and okay. it is easily the the newest. Most of my uh, most of mine will be a little bit older. Okay. Uh, but this is the newest one. This is an effort out of 2014, uh, an independent movie called, or well, I guess it's, yeah, I believe it's an independent movie called It Follows, um, which is a fantastic movie. Um, if anything, just for the originality of the story, it is really, really unique and really different from anything that I have ever seen before and have not seen since. So this was directed by a guy named David Robert Mitchell. And it's a really original movie about, about a curse, basically, that gets passed from person to person through sexual contact, essentially. It, it's kind of, I mean, I don't know if it was intended to be this way, perhaps it was, but it's a, almost a euphemism or a, a metaphor for STDs, right? So um, it's it, people, it's a curse that gets passed from person to person by a sexual encounter. And after that curse gets passed, that individual is haunted. And, and the haunting usually comes in the form of some like person that they know or some, some body who essentially stalks them like a zombie. And um, you, once you have sex with someone that is not cursed, you pass that curse to them. But if that person dies uh, by the curse, then the curse goes back to the original person. So it just kind of yo-yos back and forth. And so it's, it's sort of tied in a, in a really weird way that, that means that it's there forever, essentially. So the idea is that you want to have sex with somebody to pass along the curse, but you want that person to do the same thing because if the person that you had sex with dies, then it comes back. To and you. you're fucked twice, right? You're <laughs> fucked in more ways than one. Right. And all that, all that has to happen for you to die is to be touched by the person or the, the, the zombie or whatever that's stalking you, but it's not like it's running after you. It just, it, it'll approach you from a distance, like a hundred yards away and you won't even recognize it. And it can take any form of any person that you know. So it, the movie is really, really innovative in that sense. And it's a, a, obviously focuses around a bunch of kids. And, uh, you know, I, I, it's really just, uh, they don't really know much about it. They don't go into a history. They don't try to give it a background or anything like that. It's just, okay, here's your story, go with it. And it's, uh, it's fantastic. So it's, you know, these kids are constantly on the run and it has a, a fun ending to it. That's, that's pretty interesting. And, 
Um, they haven't made a sequel, which is interesting, uh, but I kind of like it that way. It's there's not a lot of way, different ways I think you can tell this story, but it follows from 2014 is it made my number five because I was genuinely shocked about how a newer horror movie really took on uh, some really interesting, innovative ideas. Sure. All right. Uh, yes. Good flick. Um, I love the fact, you know, one of the things that we hear often um, in the scare tissue world is, and we, and we hear it in, in non-horror too, but like just the kind of how many reboots and remakes and sequels and this, that, and the other thing that there are in Hollywood, which is valid, right? Um, most of the time it's because those, most of those films are good films to begin with. And so they make money. And so they spin on another one. Right. Um, but it, but it is pretty rare that you see something, um, you know, that's just like a brand new, you know, novel idea and it follows absolutely was one of those. So no, I agree. Good, good pick. Um, okay. So my, um, my number five, um, was, let's see, it might be the newest, might be the newest on my list. That's from 1996, which is actually not super new, but uh, 1996, um, it was directed by horror legend Wes Craven and it's called Scream. Um, that's a good one. Scream, that's such a good one. Scream was a movie to me that, um, reinvigorated the horror genre um it it was a movie that um it's it's based in real life you know so it's not a supernatural killer um there are twists in it there's a whodunit aspect to it the cast is great um and it, it, it it's it's the first that i can remember of these kind of self-referential films, right? Like the meta the, films, yeah. Yeah, the, the character, but but it's but they're not, you know, they're not breaking the fourth wall necessarily. It's it's not a it's not played for a joke. Um, there, there's a character in there that goes by the name of Randy, who is the kind of he he would be, you know, our buddy, right? He's the horror nerd that knows all the rules to all the horror movies. And he tells you what you need to do in order to survive a horror movie and, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, this one, one of the other things that, that really makes it stand out in my mind is the opening scene to this movie um, holds up in my mind as one of the greatest openers um, really ever, right? Um, it... Um, the movie quote stars Drew Barrymore or based on the, all of the media and everything leading up to it, you would think that it was going to star Drew Barrymore. Um, and she plays a character named Casey Becker and she gets a phone call from ultimately the killer. And she ends up dying in about the first eight minutes of the film. And it is intense. It's gory. It's graphic. And it tells you right away that the rules of a traditional horror movie are really out the door, right? Because you have met the main character and she is dead in eight minutes. And um, yeah, it just, it, it blew me away when I saw it the first time. I have watched it pretty religiously, pretty regularly, and it really does hold up really, really well. It spawned uh, four or five sequels uh, of varying degrees of um, how good they are. I think there's four, four total films. Um, so far, but, uh, the, they've officially yeah. announced Scream 5 with Nev Campbell returning. Yeah, so yeah, so the film does star Nev Campbell as the quote final girl. Um, and uh, yeah, it just it, love it. Just just a great, great film. I couldn't agree more. And I'm a little bit uh, ashamed of myself that that one actually never even entered my mind. So that one's not on my list, but okay. it should have in hindsight um, because it was phenomenal. You mentioned, I think, 1996. Is that right? Yes. So, so that was sort of like, if, you know, for those of you, well, th that, that movie is, is great for two reasons. One, because it was centered around a group of kids that were at least uh, set to be around our age, right? Because we mm -hmm. were just out of, a couple of years out of high school and they were in high school. So it was very relatable in that sense. But the other really cool thing was is that it was a fresh idea and a new take. At, at what was essentially the end of a lot of the slasher movie 
genres, right? Like the Friday the 13th, the Nightmare on Elm Street, the Halloween movies, they had already run their course by that point. Some of them, well, I guess none of them were officially done at that point because they've all made movies since. But I mean, people weren't interested in those movies anymore. So there needed to be some sort of fresh breath uh, put back into the world of horror and who but Wes Craven could do that, right? And it, it certainly reinvigorated his career because, you know, to be honest, you know, success-wise, he didn't really have a whole lot in recent years. I think we both liked uh, his new Nightmare movie, but I don't think box office-wise that really did a whole lot. So this helped um, really push him back as as the into the uh, to the upper echelon as the master of horror. And I 100% agree that that movie was so good. I, I didn't care for any of the sequels nearly as much because they all became, you know, the whodunit aspect of it became the focus of everything. And it, it, it just didn't, they didn't take as many chances. And the first one was great because you didn't know anybody. So literally anybody in that movie could have been the killer. And, um, and they did it so good, executed so well from beginning to end and, and it featured some fun little cameos, uh, you know, like Linda Blair from The Exorcist was in it for a quick second and, and things like that. So it was very referential. It was very, uh, um, reverent to to the movies in the past that helped build it you know to that status so yeah that's a great pick awesome uh what do you got for number four all right my number four um is uh, a movie out of 1988 uh this is you know i'm gonna out myself right away from my my favorite horror franchise of all time nightmare on elm street this is part four Nightmare on Elm Street for the Dream Master. Um, this this is a little bit of a curious pick, I think, or or may seem that way to some because it's not a great movie. It, this isn't on my list because I think it's a really fantastic movie because it's 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 okay. It's not great. It's incredibly flawed, but there's some just some really um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, nostalgic sort of vibes that I get when I watch this movie. Uh, it's commonly referred to as the MTV nightmare because of the way that it was filmed, right? Like if you watch Nightmare on Elm Street 3, for example, which I believe came out the year before that, these movies mm -hmm. were, were getting piped out year after year uh, on very, very quick schedules, which is a, a big reason why they a lot of people were very critical of them because they went through and made these movies on very small budgets despite how popular they were and in very, very aggressive uh, schedules and timeframes. But the difference between the way the third movie and the fourth movie look is night and day. And it, it really stepped it up from a video production standpoint. And it from calling it the MTV nightmare because of the music video quality of the way that it was filmed, I think is very, very accurate. Uh, it was directed by Rennie Harlan, who is also popular for doing movies like Die Hard 2 and uh, Long Kiss Goodnight. Um, and I love the story, um, Nightmare or the, the Never Sleep Again uh, documentary does a fantastic job of recapping all the movies and the stories behind them. And they said that they cat or they had Rennie Har they hired Rennie Harlan for that because he was he was a big, tall, uh, I think he's Swedish or Norwegian or something like that. But basically, they just thought that he could take the grueling schedule. So that's why they hired him. It really had nothing to do with his talent which was really funny, but it featured the, the return of three characters, only two of the actors from the third movie, yep. uh, Patricia Arquette, for reasons that are probably pretty obvious at this point, uh, didn't return. Uh, and it definitely riffed off of the Dream Warriors theme. You know, each, each character in the movie had sort of their own little shtick or their own little mm -hmm. power or special ability, maybe their better word. Um, but I just think it's one of the best combination of characters that they've assembled and it paved the way for um, a contiguous storyline that, that followed up in the sequel in Nightmare 5, um, yep. which is the first time that, it, it, that a Nightmare movie had done that. From 4 to 5 was the only real true sequel in that sense. Yeah. Um, and of course, it's popular for the Roach Motel death scene, which is pretty gruesome. And, yep. uh, and a continuation of Freddy being sort of the jokester and having all the one-liners and, and all of that. But I, I, love, I love that you chose Dream Master in, instead of Dream Warriors. Um, because if I were to choose a, a nightmare film, it would be Dream Master as well. Um, you know, the, the kind of conventional pick of a lot of people's favorites is, is Dream Warriors. Um, and so I, I, uh, I, I actually, I love that you, I love that you chose that one. Um, I want, I want to see if I can, I don't know if I can share my screen here. Is there a way to do that here? 
Yeah. Um, let me see if I can make sure you're. Uh, there you go. Now you should have it. Uh, let's see here. But it had a it had a really cool '80s soundtrack to it. Um, and uh, I, I don't know for whatever reason, it's just one of the ones that I always return to as as far as just being a fun movie to watch. Yeah, it was. Um, here, I'll tell you what. I can't. I can't. I can't uh, for whatever. Oh, here it is. Share screen. Um, so. Not that anybody is watching this, but back uh, <laughs> so so this was uh, this was the 2015 horror hound show in Indianapolis, uh, where Pip and I got to meet the Dream Warriors, which um, was was a pretty amazing experience, I have to say. Um, this is actually the um, the background of my desktop <laughs> as well. So. And that's the second time we met Robert Englund. And it I is. believe that features all of the Dream Warriors, with the exception of, of course, Patricia Arquette. Right? Yeah, I don't think we're missing any in that group. No, that's yeah, that's the whole crew there. So, um, yeah, that's that's that's, uh, that's a good ad. I like that. It's one of my favorites. All right, uh, good good pick. All right, so uh, my number four. Um, again, I'm I'm going back. This is 1980. Um, it is based on a 1977 Stephen King film. It is directed by the one and only Stanley Kubrick. It is The Shining. Yeah. Um, the Shining is, uh, and I actually came to The Shining very late in life. So did uh, I. College, I think, was the first time the I saw first it. first time I saw The Shining was at Indiana University at one of those movie nights at the... Yes. Student Union. That was the I, first you know time what? I saw the show. I'm willing to bet you and I were at that same movie, and that was the first time I saw it, too. Yeah. Um, so that would have been, what, 1994, 1995? Mm -hmm. That was our freshman or sophomore year. Yeah. Um, I, I, that movie, um, I mean, it's, it's phenomenal. It holds up really well. Um, it stars Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall and Catman Scruthers. Um, it it is Scatman Carruthers. Sorry, I messed it up. Um, <laughs> it's all right. It was the whiskey talking. Um, it, it, it um, so essentially Jack Nicholson and his family go up into the mountains. He's going to be the the winter caretaker at the Overlook Hotel, which is a incredibly remote area where they can't get to all winter long. Um, and uh, he is a struggling author. He goes and essentially it is a, you're watching um, somebody descend into madness. Um, it, there is a, there's a supernatural aspect to it. Um, it's not super, uh, it's not super gory. Um, it's, it's more of a psychological horror movie. Um, there's certainly some, some gross stuff in it. There's some blood in it. There's, there's some nudity in it. Um, but it's, it's one of those movies that, um, you, you can sit down, you, you don't, there's, there's no background material that you need to know. There's no sequels really to speak of. Um, and it is, it's, it's just a very intense, um, psychological horror movie. Um, my wife is not a huge horror movie fan. Um, I get her to watch maybe one or two with me every year on Halloween, um, this is one of the ones that I have had her watch and she actually really enjoyed it. So, um, that, that to me, um, is just another, uh, another notch on the, on the belt for this particular film. I loved it. Oh, it was fantastic. And, and I couldn't agree more. A couple, a couple of random tidbits on, on good old Scatman Carruthers. You, uh, he was born in Terre Haute, Indiana. In was he really? In, in 1910. And uh, he was, I, I, I hope that you know this. I have to think that you know this. He was uh, the voice for jazz yes, yeah. in the Transformers <laughs> movie. It's awesome. And it's yeah. like the minute you hear it, like he's got a very, very recognizable voice. So that's cool. But yeah, that movie was so good. And I remember, I do actually, I don't remember actually sitting in the theater, but I do remember having that experience at IU. And one of those, and we went to the, that movie theater all the time that was on campus because I remember when we saw New Nightmare, we got like free sneak preview yep. passes to that. Yeah. And I remember sitting through that movie thinking, what in the hell is going on? There are still scenes yeah. in that movie that I have no idea. I do not understand. 
I never yeah. read the book, so I don't know the differences between the book and the movie. And Stephen King very famously hated the movie. Hated that, the movie. That Kubrick yeah. made. Yeah. Um, but I have to think, based off of the Stephen King books that I've read, that it was probably a better movie than a book in a lot of senses because it, it didn't have a really shitty ending to it. And I've not been a big fan of a lot of Stephen King's endings. Yeah. But um, he From... uh, th- that movie, th- I mean, Jack... It, I mean, Jack Nicholson was established by that point, but it launched him into the stratosphere. Yeah. At that I mean, his his acting and everything that he did was so good. And there are just some magical scenes in that movie, like when he's talking to Lloyd, the bartender and and all that kind of stuff. And it's just like, I'm not sure what's happening, but I'm going along for the ride because I'm just so yeah. enveloped in what's happened. Yeah, the 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 yeah, the Lloyd, the bartender scene is. If you if you look at it if you look at it in a vacuum, just as a scene between two characters, it's great. Right. And then you, but then when you take a step back and you realize what it actually is in the, in the context of the movie, it's, it's still great, but it's weird. And it's, it just kind of takes it to another level. So. Yeah. um, I still don't know if I understand that movie, but I like trying to figure it out even to this day, because I, I think it's really, a, a fantastic piece of cinema for sure yeah what 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 i have heard from people from from a buddy that is a huge huge stephen king fan he says that the um the movie the, the tv like mini series mm-hmm. remake that they did yep. um is actually more closely um accurate to the book mm-hmm. and in my mind that sucks because or the, because it's really slow <laughs> that that tv version is really slow this one is yeah. um is much better paced and again i like the ending better and i don't really care that mr king didn't like it because kubrick made a hell of a film he really did it was fantastic that is yeah. uh that is a great choice i remember i do sort of remember being in a the theater and laughing at shelly duvall because her her performance was really good but it was, just, it was so erratic and it was just yeah. like, oh my God, is she serious? And I, yeah. you know, come to find out, I think many years later, she got, she got borderline tortured on that set by, uh, by Kubrick in terms of how he treated her to, to try to, you know, get her in that mindset and, uh, you know, pretty messed up for sure, but, uh, and very method, but, but great stuff. Yeah. So my number three moving up the list is the oldest one on my list and one that would probably find its way higher on most people's list, but um, mad, mad respect for this movie uh, came out uh, in 1973. This is The Exorcist directed by William Friedkin. Um, I thought it was really funny doing a research that it came out on December 26th, 1973. So like some studio execs said, no, oh, The Exorcist, scary movie. What's that about? Is it going to be good? Maybe we should put that on on Christmas Day. And someone probably raised their hand and said, eh, how about the next day? Let's uh, let's not do that. Um, written by William Peter Bellatti, um, William Friedkin, who had also done The French Connection, which was a very good movie, uh, star- starring Ellen Burstyn, Max von Sydow, uh, or Sydow, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Uh, Jason Miller, uh, who, whose name I expect to come back up on this list sometime, and, uh, and Linda Blair. I, I mean, this movie is, it's beyond iconic. It is the, I'd have to say, the most iconic horror movie that's ever been made, probably. Um, um, yeah, I think, that's, I think that's probably a fair statement. Yeah, I think that's probably a fair statement. It's, it's kind of a slow burn. The movie starts really slow. I mean, this is, again, back in the early 70s, mid-70s, even late 70s, Movies were paced a lot differently than they are now. And I, I, I really like that pace, you know, um, whether it's Jaws or Superman or big movies like that, you know, those movies were two, two and a half hours long and they took their time to get where they were going, but they didn't waste anything. They, they used all those moments to help build characters and, and exposition and all that. Uh, and this movie is no different. And it, it starts slow to the point where you're like, I'm not really sure where this is going. And then everything starts to unveil itself as it goes through. I mean, there's some really intense, it's known for having really intense graphic imagery um, and it's some pretty foul language that'll make your skin crawl considering you yeah. know, who it's coming from in the, in the context that it's being uh, delivered. Yeah. Um, but man, was it, it was jarring. Like as an adult, it was one of the scariest movies to this day that I've ever seen. Uh, Tubular Bells was that haunting theme, that haunting piano theme that went behind it. Although you know, looking back, and this is one of those movies, I haven't actually seen it for a while. 
But the overall lack of music in that movie was really, I think, impactful too. Like in the Exorcist scene itself, I don't think there was a lot of background music going on. It was uh, very no, but, yeah, quiet. I don't think there was a lot of music. Yeah, you're right. There, I mean, there's a lot of sound effects, but yeah, I don't think there's a score behind it necessarily. Yeah. But what I thought was really interesting when I was doing my research is that this was the highest grossing R-rated film until three years ago when Stephen King's It, uh, the, the oh, was it really? It remake. Uh, that's according to Wikipedia, if, if we want to believe that, but the highest grossing R-rated film. Now, I, I, I had thought that Halloween, when Rob Zombie had done those Halloween movies, that that had outgrossed that, but maybe, I, I don't know how exactly that's, that's, um, uh, oh, that's crazy. how that information is put together, but pretty interesting. And, and the only uh, movie on my list that uh, has actually won Academy Awards and Golden Globes, so it won for Best Adapted Screenplay and Best uh, Sound Mixing, I think, for uh at the oscars and then for the golden globe it, it sweat i did so good it, best most picture both best director and best supporting actress uh with uh, uh linda blair so i mean that movie to this day is is still one that if i'm you know if i see that it's on tv or if i have the opportunity to watch it i have to actually think about whether i want to sit through it or not i haven't sat through it in, in probably a decade um but it was it was fantastic and spawned actually some reasonably good sequels um, one that I really liked, uh, maybe another one, uh, actually the, the, the most recent ones that came out, I think it was called, uh, know, I'm not even gonna remember, but it was the one with like Stellan Skarsgård in it. And, uh, there were a couple versions of it that ended up coming out. I actually thought those were both good. I didn't see the second one. That's the only one I don't think I ever saw, but, uh, yeah, the exorcist 1973, fantastically terrifying film. Yes, I agree. Good, good pick. Um, okay. Um, so my, let's see, this is my number, what, five, this is my number three now, right? Yes. Um, my number three um, is 1984, I believe. Yep, 1984. Um, I have a feeling this might be an overlap. Um, maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. I, I thought, I actually thought we would have some more overlaps, but anyways, um, ironically enough, the second film directed by Wes Craven, um, A Nightmare on Elm Street, the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, I remember watching this, it was probably 1986 before I saw it. Um, so what would have made me about 10 years old? Um, I, I was scared of this movie. I was scared of Freddy Krueger. Um, Freddy Krueger is, I can't imagine there's anybody listening to this that doesn't know the character, but he essentially hunts and kills you while you sleep. And when you sleep and you get killed, then you die in real life. Um, I, I, at the time, that was an incredible, and even still, that was an incredibly um, unique perspective to a horror movie. Um, you know, he, he wasn't hunting you in real life. In fact, when you were awake, you were, you were safe, right? And so um, all of these movies, all the nightmare movies, um, you know, the, the, the main, one of the main goals of the characters is to stay awake, right? Uh, you know, don't fall asleep, don't fall asleep. Um, the, the, it has spawned, as you mentioned, it has spawned a gang of sequels um you know this one to me though is is the original um there there's there are some there are some horror franchises where the original is not my favorite um in fact i would probably say that like uh, the friday the 13th series you know the, the original is not my favorite by a long shot um in fact there's probably three or four that i prefer to that one um this one though this one is iconic um and again, I, I know that we talked about Dream Master and Dream Warrior. Um, this one to me, though, is, is if I had to pick one, this is the one that I would come back to. That's, I mean, it's a great choice. I mean, I've already, uh, already tipped my hat um, that that is my favorite um, franchise. Um, that one is fantastic. And I'll, I guess, spoiler alert, I'll, I'll go ahead and say that one actually didn't end up on my list, but not okay. because I don't love that movie, because I absolutely love that movie, but because it's just one that I, I don't actually uh, revisit as much. And I think the reason for that is, is that it's not the first one I ever saw. So I sort of started sure. it towards the middle, I think probably either three or four. 
and then worked my way back when I became a fan of the series. So it doesn't have as much reverence to me specifically because it wasn't where I cut my teeth, but yeah. um, or sharpen my blades, whatever uh, whatever metaphor you want to use. But it has the best score out of all of them, in my opinion. I'm a movie score junkie, so I I listen to the music of all these films to to help kind of understand how you know the 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 composition will tell the story too. And Charles Bernstein did a fantastic. I mean, there's is there anything? Well, there, there may be arguably uh, a score more haunting than the, the piano intro to the Nightmare on Elm Street theme. But it, you know, for my money, it's fantastic. But yeah. featuring a, a very young uh, first time actor, Johnny Depp, uh, which is uh, which is a really cool story. And they just had no idea how this low budget movie would not only uh, make a ton of money, but it essentially created New Line Cinema. You know, yeah. it, New Line Cinema would not have been a franchise. We wouldn't have the Lord of the Rings movies. We wouldn't have, you know, obviously, all the, the Elm Street sequels. And I mean, you know, look up New Line Cinema sometime and see all the movies that they're responsible for. And it's ridiculous. Yeah, and it's crazy. They commonly refer to New Line as the house that Freddie built. And right. Yeah, so. yeah correctly. So and, and I mean, speaking of Freddie, right. I mean, you know, I, I have met a lot of um, actors and kind of famous people in, in my day. Um, you know, and, and you hear stories about, hey, you never want to meet your heroes because they turn out to be, you know, dicks or whatever. Um, that could not be further from the truth when it comes to Robert Englund. That dude, we, we, we have met him together twice, at least that I can remember. Um, and it, it, I mean, that dude, now it's his job. I understand that, right? He loves hanging out and being with his fans. He does. Um, he, he was, he, you know, he's not rushing through. He's not just there to get a payday. He is genuine. He's a nice guy. I remember the first time that we met him, we stood in line for what seemed like hours. And, and I think we were some of the last people in the, of the day to go into kind of the, the, the signing room. And we yeah. were worried that, oh, he was just going to kind of rush us through and whatever. In fact, if I remember correctly, the show was actually closed by the time we got out of that room. It was. We were the and, last group that got in. And you would not have known that. He stayed there. He chatted with us. He signed our autographs. He he was present. He, you know, and, and that just that just kind of elevated him and, and I guess ultimately the series too in my mind because um, you know, he didn't have to do that, right? He, he, he got paid, he, he, you know, he made his payday and whatever. Um, but uh, I was ultimately impressed with our Robert England. We could, so. we could have a whole other vlog on what that day was like and, and the excitement yeah, behind getting to meet Robert England, who was, you know, for my money, like just, I won't claim that he's the best actor in the world, but if there was any actor around that time that I would have liked to have met, you know, one. it would have been him. And that's that's keeping in mind that I'm never going to meet Al Pacino. I'm never going to meet, you know, some of my legitimate favorite actors. But in terms of people that it would just be cool to say when I died, hey, by the way, I got to meet Freddy Krueger and I got a yeah. picture with him and I got him to sign the picture. All of that was just it, it made for such an amazing experience. So for more reasons than one, that franchise holds a very special yeah. place in my very twisted heart. So. All right. Um, all right. Well, moving along. You got two left two for me. Uh getting down to the uh, the nitty-gritty uh 1982 um this one is a movie that i revisit uh somewhat often and is is also very near and dear to my heart but not on a lot of people's lists it's uh it's poltergeist um the movie was direct directed by toby hooper kind of um ish <laughs> ish is exactly right Screenplay and story by Spielberg, who is really the one that was ultimately heavily involved. And if you study film and if you are a fan or worshiper of Spielberg in, in a way very similar to me, you can't watch that movie and not feel his fingerprints all over it. I mean, mm -hmm. it feels very much like a Steven Spielberg movie, but he was not allowed to direct that movie or be the first uh, hand director for that because uh, uh, he was doing E.T. at the time. And the studio had him under contract, so he couldn't do both. In fact, worked out e. okay. And for him. Poltergeist came out in the same summer, a week apart from each other. So they oh, were both going right? on wow. at the same time. But 
by all accounts from most of the actors on set, Spielberg was doing all the directoring, directoring, directing, and Toby Hooper was was there. You know, he was doing his his stuff too. And there was a big controversy over it at the time. But the movie is just fantastic. It is so good. Uh, another really good score by uh, Jerry Goldsmith, who's done a ton of ton of good music. Um, but it's it's all features a young it, it features a young family called uh, the Freelings. Uh, who move into a new neighborhood only to find that their new neighborhood is uh, or their house is haunted and their daughter Carol Ann is uh, kidnapped um, and turns out to be the guiding light for the spirits that are still buried under their property so they they deal her through the television uh, with the iconic uh, the iconic movie poster with her up against the TV and the, and the very famous line they're here and uh, so that she can you know show them to the other side and um, it's just, I don't know, for, for me, it was just, uh, I think it's because it was a horror movie that Spielberg basically had his fingerprints all over because Spielberg at the time was doing like E.T. and more PG flavored movies uh, after the success of Jaws and Close Encounters. Um, in fact, this is um, this this movie was originally um, kind of an offshoot of a movie, a developed project that Spielberg did called Night Skies, which actually spawned the stories of both E.T., and uh, that he was working on while he was doing Close Encounters, but Night Skies never came to fruition, but he took ideas from that, that oh, script cool. that he did and it became E.T. and Poltergeist. Um, so it spawned a couple sequels. Uh, none of them were quite magical as the first. And, and of course there's, uh, there's a lot of uh, discussion about the Poltergeist curse that happened. Many people from the movies have died, including the the young girl who played Carol Ann, she died when she was only 12 years old uh, of septic shock from a from a bowel obstruction, something just really completely random. It was very t terrible, very sad. But um, you know, the, the real the one thing I do want to say is the real magic of this movie is the relationship of the family. And I think that much like and that's what has Steven Spielberg's, uh, you know, Fingerprint emblem on. all over, because. You know, the, the thing that made Jaws really great was not the shark. It was the relationship between the guys in that in, in that movie and what they were going through together. It's the same thing with this family, with the freelings in this movie. And you come to really care about them and root for them, you know, which is really what helps you get, um, you know, brought into the movie. So, I, you know, that movie, Poltergeist, is, is absolutely one of my favorites. Very, very rewatchable. Great performances, top to bottom. Awesome. Well... Well, I lost the over/under for sure because at the max we're gonna get we're gonna get well, we're gonna get one max. I, actually, no, I don't think we're even gonna get one. If I had to guess, but maybe not. Maybe not. So, so my number two, um, uh, you alluded to it earlier. Um, it is it is um, it is Jason Miller <laughs> coming up again. Um, it is a nineteen. What movie? What year is it? Nineteen eighty. Eighty nine. Uh, 1990 wow. the 1990 wow. release um it is the exorcist part three um that's high on your list that's a high, high and, and honestly I, I always it's a coin flip always between this and my number one it it, it is i i will tell you that i probably recommend this film more than i recommend my number one um, yeah, for sure. Th this one is is a sleeper, right? It, it's it's not going to be on. I don't think many people's top whatever list. Um, I think that's partially because I think that's twofold. One is I think the original movie um, is so iconic as as you mentioned, right? That's the one that a lot of people will consider the scariest and whatever this that and the other thing, um, and. The, the other piece to it is the second movie in the Exorcist uh, franchise was just hot garbage. I mean, it was, it was so bad. It was Exorcist part two. It's called the heretic. Mm -hmm. um, that one, that one follows the Linda Blair character. It, it, I mean, it was unwatchable. Um, the best thing that this one did was it completely ignored part two Um and so I, I suppose this is a, a sequel to the original. Um, it was it was filmed 17 years later. Um, it stars stars George C. Scott as a uh, as a detective. Um, it, it's it does star Jason Miller and he's reprising his role as the priest in the original one. 
Um, it, and it also stars a guy by the name of Brad Dorif, who horror fans probably know him best as the voice of Chucky. Um, kind of mainstream fans, I would I suppose, would know him as um, Worm Tongue in the Lord of the Rings movies. Um, and also great, made his way into um, Halloween, the Rob Zombie Halloween movie. That's right. He that's played right. Uh, Sheriff Brackett. He was uh, Sheriff the Brackett. Main, the main cop in the movies, yeah. Yeah, so um, in, in th this movie, again, it's, it's, it's even better if you know the backstory of the original Exorcist. You really don't need to know it, though. Um, this, in my mind, is a, um, is a thriller and probably more of a horror movie than the original one was. The original, in my mind, is, is a very kind of spiritual, very um, religious overtone movie right based on the the source material um and th there's certainly a lot of that here but this one is more of a of a horror movie um it um george c scott character is is trying to uh, capture the gemini killer uh which is actually based on the real life zodiac killer uh who was you know it was never never caught um and it's just it, again, it's got a, it's got some whodunits. It's got a, there's a mystery to it. Um, there's some really inventive and really creepy kills. It's got one of the best jump scares in the history of horror movies, uh, with the nurse coming out with the hedge clippers. It's amazing. Oh my god, uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. I, I did we now here answer me this? Did we actually see that together for the first time? At at school because i feel um, like that's one of the five for fives that we probably rented and watched. i know it, we did watch it together i it did might have been the first college? time you it might have been the first time you saw it i no, i had i had seen it before okay. that yeah it was yeah, definitely it the first the, time i saw it yeah so um again th 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 like i said this is probably the this is probably the movie that i recommend if somebody comes to me and says hey chewy you know give me a horror movie to watch you know what do you th this is probably the one that i recommend because I don't think many people have seen it and it holds up really, really well. And it's just a great, it's a great scary movie. You wouldn't expect anybody to give it a chance because it's the second sequel to a horror franchise. And everybody sort of knows that horror franchises, you know, get pretty, uh, pretty yeah. watered down as they continue on. And the second one was historically notoriously bad, so bad. which I didn't see it. Uh, and at oh. this point I, I probably will have to watch it just because, but I won't get my hopes up. But this movie came out of nowhere, and I was yeah. shocked by how interesting this movie was. It, it's definitely a differently themed movie. Mm -hmm. they, they take some of the same themes, I should say, but I mean, it's more of a, it's almost more of a murder mystery whodunit, yeah. but then it weaves its way very cleverly into the Exorcist universe and storyline, um, following, uh, you know, uh, Damien Karras, or wait, yeah, right? Uh, Damien Karras mm -hmm. is his name, the, the the priest that uh, Jason Miller plays, which I think is really ironic that uh, the, the two Damians from Scream that I know, uh, from Screen that I know, are a priest and the devil, um, which uh, that one could have ended up on a list. But William Peter Blatty actually directed that and wrote that movie, which I thought was really interesting. But yes, yeah. that, I couldn't, I think that's a great recommendation because nobody sees that one coming. So that's, yeah. that's fantastic. And that's one that I recently rewatched. And I think I was texting you, uh, I don't know, maybe a couple months ago and I was watching this. I'm like, dude, this fucking movie still holds up. I mean, it really does. For a movie that was made 30 years ago now, this is still a really good movie, in my opinion. So that's an excellent choice. All right. So here, here's here's the one chance at a, at a crossover between our lists. Is it on there or no? I don't I don't think it's going to be just based off of some of your commentary. Um but and, and I hope that this doesn't disappoint you because this 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 the name of this movie already did come up once, but I got five words for you that'll tell you exactly what it is. Welcome to prime time, bitch. Um, I did you said you were really proud of me that I didn't go with Elm Street three. Well, that's because I had it at the top of my list. Um <laughs> I I can't help it. I just can't. This movie is um this pro this movie is the first one that I do have a memory of watching. I remember being, um, let's see, this came out in 1987. 
so I would have been living in Texas at the time. And I, I seem to remember, uh, you know, sneaking into my parents' bedroom while they were out in the living room. And I turned on the TV and started watching all the Cinemax and HBO channels that I shouldn't be watching. And I just remember seeing this and being so entranced by what was happening. And uh, it, it also has some really creepy scenes in it that, that I'll get to. But uh, it, this is just one of my absolute favorites. And I think it's, it's to your point, it's commonly regarded as the best movie in the series. And I, I do think that's true. I do think it's a better movie overall than the first one, although it wouldn't exist if it weren't for the first one. Um, and it obviously takes a lot of its influence there. And they did, I think one of the things that makes it really good is that it, they did a lot of work to sort of um, patch up everything that they fucked up from the second movie, because the second movie is notoriously the worst in that series um, in terms of them trying to take chances in other directions. But Wes Craven got back involved with this movie. He didn't direct it, but he uh, was one of the writers. Uh, a guy named Chuck Russell was the one that directed this movie. Uh, Patricia Arquette, as we mentioned, I think this was her first feature film. Uh, young Lawrence Fishburne was featured in it as well. Um, and also the return of Heather Langenkamp, which uh, I think was was good in the sense that her character was a very strong female protagonist from uh, the first movie. Um, Wes Craven originally wanted a much darker idea for the story, you know, which included, you know, team suicide. And I think at one point he also toyed with the idea of having Freddie uh, come out of dreams and, and terrorize the actors in the real world, which is interesting because that's the plot line that he ended up uh, going for yeah. the new nightmare that we both really liked. Um, you know, a couple other interesting tidbits. This was real. This is the first Elm Street movie that really attempted to do a lot of the voice modulation for for Freddy. So, like, if you if you watch the first two movies, you you hear Robert England doing his own voice. But in the third movie, you know, they they did that uh, those voice effects that really helped get that a lot more uh, gravitas and made it really creepy. But there's the one thing that I that I love the most about this movie is there's a scene towards the beginning of the movie where Patricia Arquette is running through the house with this. Uh, with this girl in her hands and it turns into a doll but she gets to this point in the house where her, her feet get stuck right in this in this goo or whatever and the shot isn't you know it's shooting her uh the front of her as she's trying to run towards the camera but she's stuck and freddie comes around a corner and then starts you know in slow motion running at her and it's just i don't know for whatever reason that that scene always really terrified me seeing people get chased from that perspective in movies yeah. is a really uh is a really scary thing for me it's a trigger for me so but overall, like the, the Dream Warriors, you know, you already showed the picture, which is awesome. You know, we got to meet all those Dream Warriors. They did such a good job of, of incorporating a group of people that tried to, you know, go after Freddy versus just one. And it was a fun story. And there was a, a fun little twist at the end where you think he's going to die or you think, uh, you think, you know, uh, the good guys are going to win. And then Nancy ends up getting killed and all that. And it's just it's, it's fantastic. And I think it paved the way for a couple of really fun sequels. So that's my Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors was my was my number one. It's my favorite one to revisit. Outstanding. Well, I, I would have bet anything that we would have had at least one and we had zero. I'm, I'm again, I took the over. I was way off. Um, I, I love it though. I think it's great. Yeah. I think it's amazing because it would bore the hell out of all two of our watchers if, uh, <laughs> if we had the exact same list. Because right. who wants to see us, you know, waxing off about the, the same list? Disagree with each other, right? Um, so, so my, my number one, um, again, I, I consider it, obviously, I consider it the greatest horror movie of all time. Um, it was, it's 1978. It was uh, written and directed by the one and only John Carpenter. Um, it is Halloween. Um, Halloween to me, again, it, it is almost the perfect horror movie. Um, it is by today's standards, it's very slow. Yeah. By today's standards, it is not gory. It is not bloody. It, there's, in fact, there's almost no blood in it. Um, that is because the budget just wasn't there. Um, you know, it, this was this was shot. I don't know, I'm trying to think. Yeah, it, it was shot on a budget of three hundred thousand dollars, which. Even I mean, even in 1978 was nothing, and it made like 70 million dollars. <laughs> it's um, still making money today. It's still making it's still making money. Um, it, it, um, it 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 introduced us to arguably one of the most iconic and greatest killers of all time in Michael Myers. Um, in this movie, he actually he was referred to as the Shape, 
in the, in the, if you look at the credits, he was referred to as the shape. Um, you know, this was, he was the first, I think, of the kind of, which at this point is, is kind of become a, a horror movie trope, but, um, you know, the, the kind of unkillable killer, right? You know, you'd shoot him and you'd do this and you'd put him on fire and he would just kind of keep on coming. Um, um, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis as the original Scream Queen, right? Um, Donald Pleasance as Dr. Loomis. Um, you know, uh, famously, Michael Myers is wearing a mask that was made out of a William Shatner mask, right? It, you know, it's just this the kind of white face with no features. Um, has has some of the greatest music and the greatest score you'll ever get in it, not just in horror, but just in general. Um, it, it, it has, um, it's got long shot. There's a shot at the beginning of the movie that is a long shot that I think lasts probably 90 seconds long. And it's just all one continuous take that don't break. Actually, it might even be longer than that. Um, you know, it tells the story of a, of a little baby Michael Myers, what is he, seven or eight Michael Myers. Um, he, he kills his sister and, and um, grows up to become, you know, the shape. And then he breaks out of the, the Haddonfield Penitentiary um, on Halloween night. Um, it just, I, again, I, I can't, I can't say enough good about this movie it spawned a boatload of sequels. Um, the Halloween franchise has one of the most difficult to follow chronologies. If you're trying to kind of weave all the different stories together, it's a fucking mess. It, it, it really is. It's a mess. It's a shit um, show. Yeah. It's, it, but, but I think that's, I think part of the reason it's such a mess is because they've done so many sequels and so many reboots and so many retellings of, of that story. And I think it's because it's an amazing story, right? Um, the, the, um, the two, 2018 version or sequel, I suppose, to, which is also called Halloween, which is just fucking stupid that they would call it that anyways. So it is, it is the direct sequel to this 1978 version. It ignores every single sequel before it. Um, and I thought it was, I thought that was great as well. Um, I'm looking forward to the next two, one of the Halloween, Halloween kills and Halloween, Halloween kills and Halloween ends, I believe. Yes. So uh, in fact, Halloween kills, I think was supposed to be out this month yes. and they've obviously due to COVID they've bumped it um, till next, till next October. Um, but, but again, I, I just, I can't, I can't say enough about this, um, this particular movie i will say and then i'll stop talking um the the rob zombie remake of this movie um i think from a lot of horror purists it gets a bad rap i think it's great i love that movie um uh, it was an, a much more brutal take on this particular on this original um i wasn't a huge fan of the kind of we'll call it the the tween year michael myers um but I, but I thought that one was great too. But again, it's you're coming back to the source material of what I consider the greatest horror movie ever. It's interesting. I mean, yeah, if I was doing if I was doing a best list, that would be damn near the top. Yeah. Um, and it, it deserves a place on anybody's lists. I, I, I think uh, this series is interesting because it has the most redemptive sequels. I think like the like. You know, Nightmare on Elm Street probably starts up here and then gradually comes down, maybe bumps up a little bit towards the end, and that's about it, right? Um, Friday the 13th, I think, starts high and just goes down. I don't think, I don't, I personally don't think those move, well, maybe not straight down, but it, right. at least gradual. I don't think any better, I, I'm not sure, yeah. It, that one is, is the most disappointing franchise of the three that I think are popular but the halloween one is interesting because halloween one is really really i mean epic it's completely uh um it's it's just amazing the second one's not bad uh the third one is is the drizzling shits i mean the third one is terrible i mean in my opinion it's actually a cult favorite for a lot of people the fourth one actually gets more interesting because they get back to the original storyline third one didn't even have michael myers in it it had right. nothing to do with him it was completely different the fourth one brought him back which which I actually like that one. I, I thought the fourth one was pretty good. The fifth one kind of goes back down because then they start trying to tell a, a they start trying to give Michael Myers a background, right? Which which I don't think worked, but I'm glad that they 
tried it because Michael Myers isn't Freddy Krueger. He doesn't even speak. He doesn't have it. You have to give him some sort of background and exposition. Otherwise, who's going to care? So it kind of trails off again. But then they do the H2O movie where Jamie Lee Curtis returns for the first time since the second Halloween movie. Yep. And that movie was really good, like really, really solid. And then they do the, I shouldn't say the third one is the worst, man. The one after the seventh movie, which is called Halloween Rhymes. Resurrection with Buster Rhymes. They bring Jamie Lee Curtis back just to kill her in the beginning. And then Buster Rhymes is in it. And that movie is so pointlessly bad. Um, and then, and then, you know, if you, I guess, I don't know where Rob Zombie comes into this in terms of, do you include that in here? Or is that just kind of sort of a tangential reboot kind of thing? It's a, yeah, it's a, to your point they mess with it all. I mean, uh, the, uh, the Rob Zombie movies, I, the first one I did really like the second one I was very disappointed in, yeah. but I don't hold that as much against zombie. I think the studio kind of screwed with them because I think he wanted to do some really interesting things that he wasn't allowed to do, which would have been cool. That might be mm-hmm. another uh, podcast, but um, the, uh, the, the the new one was really good. The, the one they did a couple of years back was good. I was extremely disappointed to hear it was going to get delayed again, but I'm hopeful that they they do something to flush out the story at this point, because Michael yeah. Myers can't just be a face. He can't just be, um, you know, uh, this walking, killing monster. Like they've got yeah, I mean, something. Yeah, Otherwise, what's the point? I, I, that was the most disappointing thing about, um, the new Halloween movie. I'll try not to drone on too much more about this, but um, they, I, I felt like, so they retconned, right? The whole storyline with Halloween, which means it wasn't until the second movie that they unveiled that Michael Myers and, and Jamie Lee Curtis's character and Laurie Strode were brother and sister, right? right? So they essentially retconned that out of the storyline. So he, that they're not siblings anymore. So we're still left trying to figure out why does he care so much? Why does he right. want to kill her? And if you do one movie, that's fine. You don't have to explain all that, but they're going to do three movies, you know, uh, the recent Halloween and then Halloween kills and Halloween ends. If they go through two more movies without giving any sort of exposition or background, I think it's just going to be really, it's just going to fall really flat for me. So I I really hope that they make an effort to tell some level of story there and not just what do we do when someone's trying to kill us. Right. All right. Well, like, like I said, I, w- I would have bet a lot that we would have had um, at least one uh, overlap, but we didn't. So you, you, you have you have an honorable mention or two? I have an honorable mention, and I want to make it very clear that my honorable mentions are not sixth place. They're just movies that I feel like are, sure. are, are ones that I want to honorably mention. I guess that's all I can say. My honorable mention is another new-ish one. And it's, uh, it's Final Destination. I know that that is another movie that has spawned a lot of really ridiculous sequels. But that first movie I thought was very creative and very fun. And um, I really, really, really love the scene where they're all fighting at the airport and the, the plane explodes in the background. I just think it's a real powerful visual and a really neat uh, scene. But that movie was, was pretty inventive. It, it had some new ideas. Uh, even if it tried to star the candy man, you know, even if he had like a little bit part in it, it had nothing to do with him really. Um, but the idea of how, you know, you can escape death, but death will follow you and, and it will eventually take you and all that. I, I thought it was a really, really clever idea. And it's, it's, it's absolutely one of the movies I love to revisit because it's just fun. There's something kind of exciting and, and interesting about it. So final destination is my, uh, my honorable mention. Good call. Um, mine is going to be uh, a 2003, uh, what I consider the greatest crossover in cinema history, not just in horror history, Freddy versus Jason. This, this movie, um, I, I do have to say that Friday the 13th is probably my overall of the, the big three, right? Halloween, Nightmare, and Fred, uh, Friday. Friday the 13th is probably my favorite. Really? Um, yeah, it, it probably is. And it and and it I don't think it has any singular film that that stands above either obviously either Halloween or Nightmare. Um but I think I just I like Jason. I I really <laughs> I just love that character. Um and and Freddy versus Jason I thought was a great way to to bring those two franchises together. Um it, 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 it told a story that actually made sense for both of the franchises. Um, the, the way they got Freddy into the real world and brought back Jason. I mean, it was just, it, it was really, really well done. Um, 
also starred, um, I can't remember the actress's name, but she was the gal that played Ginger Snaps. Um, Monica Kina. Kind of- oh, no, no, I'm sorry. That's, um, oh, geez. Now I'm not going to remember that. Uh, I'll look that up. Uh... But again, it's, yeah, it's, she, um, you know, I, I, I thought that was kind of a cool nod. I don't, you know, I don't know if they did that on purpose, but I thought she, um, you know, her character. Um, a- anyways, I just, I thought it was great. I, I thought it was a fun movie. I remember walking into the theater that night. I, I went, I think I went with my brother. Um, and it was just, and it was, it was a fun movie and it was everything that I thought that crossover should be. That's good. I mean, that's a great choice too. I think, uh, I think they did a good job and it's, it's the movie. I think it didn't live up to my expectations specifically, but I will say that it, I don't know that it could have because for fans of both franchises have been waiting for that for so long yeah. since, since they teased it at the end of Jason goes to hell when Freddie's glove comes up and, and brings down Jason's mask. And, um, I think that, uh, I mean, after that, it took another decade or something like that for that movie yeah. to get made. Um, but it made it made like $116 million in the box office. So it did really well. I'm a little surprised that they never went back to it and tried to make something else like round two or best of three or any of that. But, you know, unfortunately, Robert England's probably a little too old and none of us are going to let anybody else play that role. So, no. um, you know, that that's probably done at this point. But that's that's a great choice. I like that one. All right. Uh, well, I think I think we've uh, I think we've covered it, huh? I think we've covered a lot. That's that's awesome. That's good stuff. All right. Well, I will. Uh, I'm gl- I'm glad we did this in October. Maybe we gave some folks some some choices to watch this month. Um, I, I appreciate Scare Tissue for for sponsoring the show this evening. Uh, we will certainly we will we will certainly uh, share this on on the Scare Tissue channels as well. Um, hey, we we've uh, we we got a bunch of topics that we need to cover uh, in the foreseeable future here. A ton. All right. Uh, Hey, uh, thanks everybody for hanging in with us. Uh, This is your buddy Chewy. And I'm Pip. Happy Halloween, 406ers. Happy Halloween. All right. We'll see you guys soon. Have a good afternoon. All right. See you guys. Love you, buddy. Love you.